Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to have you in the church this morning. Um, we do look a bit sparse, but uh, as you know, all the boys and girls and teachers um, are upstairs practicing uh, for next week. Um, so, but it's good to be together. Um, and I, we're going to be looking at this uh, passage in Luke chapter 1. Um, and Mary starts her song by saying, my soul glorifies the Lord or magnifies the Lord. That's where we get the word magnificate from. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. So really, that's why we gather, isn't it? We gather to give thanks and praise and to magnify, to glorify uh, the wonder of who the Lord Jesus is. Um, and that's why we've come, and that's what I call us, in a sense, to worship. That's what we've come to do as well, to, to magnify the Lord. So we're going to begin. It's the second Sunday in Advent. We're going to start by lighting our Advent candle, and I'm going to ask Stephen uh, to come and uh, do that. Um, Thank you. So we're going to stand and sing our first hymn, which is called Living Lord. And one of the verses says, Lord Jesus Christ, you have come to us, cleansing our souls from all their sin, pouring your love and goodness in. So he removes sin and he pours in love and forgiveness. So let's stand to sing. Uh, yesterday, I had the privilege of being at the Living Well, uh, and at Alan and Heather's, and the promise uh, from the uh, Proverbs box uh, was Proverbs 17, 17. It says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. So we just wanted to think about that as we pray and as we talk to the Lord now. So let's, let's talk to him. Father, we want to acknowledge the wonder of the good news of Jesus Christ. And Father, we thank you that we are recipients of the love of Jesus. There has not been a time when we were not loved. We are loved now, and we will be loved, because a friend loves at all times. And Father, it's a love that speaks the truth. It's a love that stays with us in difficulty. It's a love of eternal depth. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for being our friend and our brother. Heavenly Father, forgive us that we so easily forget your love. We criticize, we grumble, we complain in the difficulties we face. We blame others, ignoring our own heart's reactions. We doubt that you are our friend and brother who loves at all times and is born for adversity. Father, increase our faith. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Make us like Mary, who trusted you through very difficult circumstances, through the disappointment and disapproval of her society, 
through not being completely sure of what you were doing. Lord God, help us to relax and enjoy your love. Give us more of yourself. And, that, and Father, that we will respond wholeheartedly in worship. Help us to actively sing your praise, to pray with keenness, to listen to Ken as he preaches and teaches your word. Father, we pray that you will bless particularly our children and Sunday special and K2 leaders, and may they too enjoy preparing for next Sunday. And may the truth of the Christmas story be very real for them. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to be looking, or Ken's going to take us through uh, Luke chapter 1, uh, 26, uh, to uh, really, I suppose, uh, 56 or 55. So if you have your Bibles there, I think it's page 1026. If you open them, we'll read the first little section, and then uh, Ken will come and speak to us about that section. So Luke chapter 1. Uh, reading from verse 26. Uh, This is the birth of Jesus foretold. So page 1026 in your Bibles. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. morning, everyone, on a wonderful morning, a few hours before a storm. And uh, thank you very much, Sam, for giving me this opportunity. I also like to thank Sam and Dave for uh, planning this five series uh, of talks uh, with the title of Advent, Hope for Everyone. Uh, With your permission, may we start with somewhat an obvious question. Could somebody kindly tell us if they know of a biblical passage that talks to us 
how to celebrate the birth of Christ? Is there somewhere in Acts or in the letters written by Paul, John, or Peter giving us an example of Christmas amongst the early Christians? How did we get to celebrate the nativity of Jesus? Now, it is the furthest from my intention to spoil the joyful carols, the special liturgies, the brightly wrapped gifts, and the festive foods. Please believe me on this. But I hope you agree with me that it would be great to have some reassurance that there is some spiritual meaning and justification to all the credit card debt that we amass during this short period of approximately four weeks. Furthermore, who decided on celebrating Christmas on the 25th of December? Nowhere in the Bible is the accurate date specified, let alone the time of the year. Verse 8 of Luke, chapter 2, is familiar with us and describes of shepherds tending their flocks at night, suggesting the lambing season, which is usually in the spring. In the winter months of December, it is more likely that sheep would have been corralled. And it isn't even consistent, the 25th of December anyway. The Russian Orthodox Church and a few others in Eastern Europe, even some Catholics in Greece, celebrate Christmas on the 7th of January, as some of you know. So can anybody tell us what is going on here? Because I'm not sure for, about you, but I am deeply confused. So fortunately for us, whychristmas.com is here to rescue us. And Peter will kindly show us that web page. It's one word, whychristmas.com. It is a strictly non-commercial website designed and run by a dedicated web designer and addresses every conceivable question one might have on Christmas. If you scroll it down, they'll have all types of different uh, answers. Uh, why somebody, some people say Merry Christmas versus Happy Christmas. These are all, all, all contained in there. So based upon this site and an assortment of other more academic publications that I've consulted, the consensus is that the celebration of Christmas and doing this on the 25th of December became popular sometime in the mid-fourth century. It was also the Christian's way of contrasting our beliefs and our way of life from pagan celebrations such as Saturnalia. So, unlike Easter, unlike Easter, which has biblical references in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Christmas originates from family and community traditions, from religious competition, conventional practice, our Christian zeal in a good way for good works and world evangelism, and to be brutally honest, the free market economy where during this period one-fifth of all retail is carried out throughout the Western world. So if there is one relief that we can be assured, it is that unlike Valentine's Day, Christmas is not simply a marketing scheme par excellence created by Hallmark cards. 
So please note that despite this reality for now, we are reserving judgment on whether celebrating Christmas serves as an obstacle in worshiping and serving our Lord. Let's discuss this again a little later. The first part of our reading that Sam kindly uh, read for us starts off six months after the baby John the Baptist is conceived. The same angel, Gabriel, visits a young virgin named Mary, engaged to a man of David's royal line named Joseph. Verse 28, where the angel says, greetings, you are highly favored, is an often cited verse, and many of us recognize the Latin better than the English text. Greetings was translated as Ave in the first Latin version of the Bible, hence Ave Maria. Verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, is equally well known, and is known as the Annunciation, the angel announcing that Mary is a chosen one. His message is clear. Conception will come by the power of the Most High. The child, to be named Jesus, will be both the Son of God and the one fulfilling the prophet's promise, as given in various areas in the uh, Old Testament, such as Isaiah chapter 7, the promise of a king of David's family line, one who can, as God and man, reign forever over a kingdom which, verse 33, will never end. Like each teller of the gospel story, Luke immediately establishes the fact that the person of whom he writes is God in the flesh. May I now ask you to put yourselves in Mary's shoes. The identical angel that visited Zechariah, Gabriel, suddenly appears in front of her, unannounced and unexpected. When Gabriel appeared in, f in front of Zechariah, what was his state of mind? We know, based upon Dave's talk last week, verse 12, when Zechariah saw the angel, he was startled and gripped with fear. For Mary, verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at the angel's words and wondered what kind of greeting, or in other words, Ave Maria, might be. To both of these mortals, Gabriel gives the same kind of spiel uttered by an angel. Do not be afraid. But I believe that we all can appreciate that Mary, only a teenager then, was a lot more composed than Zechariah. If you had never been with a man in the romantic sense, and suddenly an unidentified paranormal existence flies in and appears right in front of you and told you that you were going to bear the savior of all humanity, how would you feel? Who here would not harbor serious doubts? Who here would not go bonkers? Who here would not reach for their mobile phones and dial 112 or 999? But upon hearing that all of this is capable through God's power, and that all of this is the long-awaited plan and will of the Lord. All of Mary's doubts dissipate and evaporate. Never did this unannounced visit ever become 
an unwanted or unwilling burden for her. With Mary, it immediately, over a period of a mere 10 verses, as we read, it merely sublimated into an unexpected purpose. <clears throat> how utterly beautiful, how utterly moving, and yes, how utterly divine can a submission of man's free will be to God. Being a biochemist, I happen to have a privilege to know a little bit about human genetics. And I can confidently tell you that uh, that chap Jesus really inherited his mother, mother's genes properly. We will now sing O Little Town of Bethlehem. Well, folks, if you have your Bibles again, let's uh, open them it, and we'll continue the story. Has been an amazing response by Mary, isn't it, as Ken was saying? Um, and, uh, yeah, we've, we've come to that point, haven't we, where, where the conception has happened, that amazing conception. And so we read on about Mary uh, visiting Elizabeth in verses 39. To 45. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women. And blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said will be accomplished. Thank you very much, Sam. And uh, since this is in three parts, kindly suggested by Sam, uh, we will try to move without any announcement. So we'll just finish the, the talk and we'll go into our next hymn as, and so on. We begin to witness Mary's reaction to this previous events. Mary hurries to visit an older relative, Elizabeth, the wife of Zechariah. Both Mary and Elizabeth are descended from Aaron, the first high priest of Israel, as we all know. Note that Mary is also the descendant of King David. Elizabeth and the fetus in her tummy, the future John the Baptist, are moved by the Holy Spirit to confirm Gabriel's message. Elizabeth witnesses that Mary will be, verse 43, the mother of my Lord. Both Elizabeth and Mary speak of the blessings that they have been given by our Lord. Now, the wonderful thing about the Bible is that one can always find unifying themes and threads between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And if we don't, we should, because there always is. Here, we are reading about the birth 
of the savior of all humankind and the blessings that accompany this birth. <coughs> May I ask of you, with your permission, can we all turn to Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. We're turning to the creation, not of the Savior, or the birth of the Savior, but the creation or the birth of humankind. And let us see what God first asked of us. What did he want us to do as soon as he created us? Was it to be fruitful and multiply? Or fill the earth and subdue it? Or was it to have dominion over all of God's creation? What was the first act that God carries out after creating us? Genesis chapter 1, verses 28 tells us, God blessed them. Or, God blessed us and still blesses us. How unexpected. Well, let's go then to our third reading. And uh, we'll look at Luke chapter 1, and uh, we'll finish off, and let Ken come and do his third talk. So this is Mary's song, uh, commonly known as the Magnificat. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Amen. Thank you for that reading of the Magnificat, Sam. It's a hymn that takes its name from the Latin word glorify. So unlike us, Mary is perceptive enough to realize the amazing privilege and blessing she has been given and sings a song of praise. I ask of you to look again at the words of this Magnificat. Does it, does it look like that would, it would flow from the lips of an uneducated teenager? No, of course not. Let us all be on the same page now and acknowledge this together. Mary is 100% human and in no way supernatural or extraterrestrial. The only way that young Mary could have written and sang this worship song 
is by having a proper relationship with the Lord, having deep faith in him. And very significantly for this particular case, profound understanding of scripture. Doesn't it just shout out to us of Mary's perfect grasp of the omnipotent, omnipresent, and messianic, yet tender loving God? Hence, unexpected it may have been, Mary was by no means unprepared. To quote Louis Pasteur, apologies also in my area of study, fortune favors the prepared mind. And this is why, we being descendants of Mary's faith, it is only fitting and natural that we also sing praise to the Lord. Which is why this Christmas season is great as we can merrily carol along wherever we go. And particular, especially for our church, join in the carols by candlelight service this coming Sunday, the 15th of December, and the tear fund caroling we will be having at St. Stephen's Green on the 20th Friday of December. I only have myself to blame for not being able to join you, and I forgive me for this, uh, because I have done this all together with us for more than 10 years, but there is a short notice trip I have to go to in Korea, forgive me. In terms of merrily caroling along, Moving from one house to the other, please bear with me a personal story I have. Twas the night before Christmas, really, more than 30 years ago, when I was an undergraduate university student in the California Bay Area. Being a young single man, it had not escaped me that there lived a certain female student also of Korean origin, very devout, her entire family was, who lived in San Jose, which is in the southern part of the San Francisco Bay Area. Now their church, which was an immigrant Korean Presbyterian church, had a tradition of its choir going from uh, giving, uh, going from one congregation member's house to another and sing Christmas carols on Christmas night. I'm sure you can immediately grasp that this is, for me, was one of the best opportunities uh, to impress upon the opposite gender, which I uh, took uh, very quickly. The choir would gather on Christmas Eve night after, of course, the Christmas Eve service. Uh, practice all of the carol songs, then when midnight struck, would divide into several cars and drive to the designated houses. I'm sure you can imagine this, but it would have um, been fairly chilly on that night, a moonlit night, by the way, around 20 people quietly filing in, standing in somebody's front garden, then bursting out into song, a cappella, to a house where everybody and their neighbors were fast asleep. <laughs> it's about when we sing the second carol 
that the house lights come on, and a few minutes later, a Korean couple, sometimes with their children, wearing only pajamas, all disheveled and freezing, would come out, stand in front of us, and greet us. This routine continues for one or two more carols. The hosts would then try to invite us in for coffee, tea, and cakes, but most of the time, we politely declined, and we would move on to the next house. And we did this for more than 10 congregation members' homes, racking up more than 100 or so kilometers of combined driving in between. When all was finished, we're talking around 4 a.m. Christmas morning. Each choir member would happily say their goodbyes and part. Myself, being an international student with no local family, but living in student accommodation near my university, which is about 100, mile, 100 kilometers uh, drive north back home, and having spent superhuman energy to keep my composure, look good, look cool, sing well, all for the purpose to simply impress a girl, you could probably imagine how exhausted I was. And this was clearly reflected in my driving, as many a time I found myself awakened to the loud klaxons of speeding cars and lorries passing by me on the motorway back home. This was, of course, because I was asleep at the wheel, swerving back and forth, crossing many lanes at high speeds on the motorway. And I do not doubt that these drivers saved my life that cold, dark morning. And of course, the Lord was there to tell them to wake me. Realizing that I needed a rest, I exited at the next junction and went to those all-night, 24-hour motorway restaurants. Uh, in the States, there is one that some of you may have, been, have heard of. It's called Denny's. Uh, this is a sort of a diner-style restaurant uh, serving all-day breakfasts uh, of two pancakes, two eggs, two bacons, and two sausage links. It's called the Grand Slam. It's delicious. Um, this is their signature dish, and it's actually pretty good value for money. I recommend it to you all. <laughs> so it's Christmas morning, 4.30 to 5 a.m., and very few customers are there. So they've closed off or cordoned off all of the booths and the seating tables. And all they have left is the counter itself. And I recall the counter is not a long counter. It is countered as a, as a right angle. So people can, can converse with each other. Maybe six or seven customers are around. And we had one very gaunt middle-aged gentleman server who probably felt terrible that it was, his, was his misfortune to work the early morning shift on Christmas Day. I looked around to see who in the world would be here at this time of the day, on this most special day of the year, and saw a few truckers wearing their caps and a few people who appeared to be homeless but living out of their cars. None of us were wearing pressed, clean clothes. We were all disheveled, hungry, cold, and lonely. 
it's amazing that 34 years only on, I still remember another person sitting at the counter with us. She was a pregnant African-American woman wearing a light blue loose maternity dress. Her hair was afroed, but now all disheveled and unkempt, and you could see that it was even caked to some extent. She and all of us were just sitting with no facial expressions, staring at our food and our free refill coffees and all the interior decorating of the diner. Being the youngest there, I did try to start up a conversation by asking people, hey, what's up? And they would smile back, but this didn't lead to any conversation. We were all sitting together, wondering what sequence of events had made us end up there on Christmas morning, lonely, still hungry, definitely not wealthy, fearful for the future. Imagine a pregnant black woman sitting alone in a motorway restaurant on Christmas morning and feeling sorry for ourselves. And I must say that then and there, although it would never compare to Paul's Damascene conversion, I was able to see with greatest clarity for whom the baby Jesus, who just a few hours ago, I had been singing about without any conviction of the lyrics for whom this baby Jesus was born. It was exactly for these people, the lost, the familyless, the jobless, the homeless, the helpless, and the hopeless. But it was also precisely for people like me, and it's undeniably for people like us. Unexpected it may have been, like it had been unexpected to the shepherds tending their sheep, or to the magi who identified a star in the east, or as described in Matthew chapter 1, to Joseph as he was contemplating quietly divorcing Mary. The purpose could not have been more crystal clear. Verse 48, Mary reminds us that he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Verse 50, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. Verse 52, he has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. And verse 54, he has helped his servants, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants, essentially us forever. Please note that Mary is soon to be scorned and disrespected as an unwed mother. So I'm sure that we can all appreciate the inextinguishable conviction towards God Mary had to boldly accept these risks. And for me, un unexpected revelation, illumination, understanding this was on Christmas morning. 
leading me to take a huge personal step closer towards our Lord. Because I knew that our Lord himself took an infinitely larger leap across the chasm between God and his creation. And the method he chose? To be born like us, suffer more than us, and die for us unconditionally. That's no ifs, no buts, no small print, no footnotes, no asterisks, no terms and conditions. The state, statement that we have on the back page of the order of service that you have today is but an infinitesimally small imitation of our Lord by session. And although unexpected it may have been to some of you, it is with a strong conviction and purpose. So we ask of you to pray for us. So, getting back to that argument about Christmas, every year around this time, although life is indeed incomparably busier, I am grateful that a festive season exists. Just like you, I have a spring in my step. I am happier. The adrenaline and endorphins kick in to endow me with more energy because like Mary, our spirit rejoices in God, our Savior. Let us pray. Dear Lord, Christmas time is here again. We thank you for the opportunity to ponder its meaning. Please make this one a bit different. Encourage us to genuinely seek your word and to genuinely believe your word and to genuinely live your word and to genuinely spread your word. For we know what Mary knew then, that nothing is impossible without you. Amen. Thank you, Ken. You never told us who that young woman was, but we can ask you later. Um, so, but yeah, thank you for that. That was very interesting and, and really challenging, I think, uh, in terms of who is this Christmas for, and uh, help us to think about that. I think we'll sing Christ Be Our Light, Peter. Is that okay? Um, are you okay with that? And then we'll go back to the announcements. Okay. Does that make sense? We'll do the offering later. I hope that doesn't sound very authoritarian, does it? That's a, it's just, a, yeah. So let's stand to sing, Christ be our light. Longing for... Just take a moment to pause and to worship the Lord as we give our offering to him now. Well, thank you for that. Folks, it's great to be part of a big story, isn't it? And uh, uh, lovely to hear Ken's story and of how God was speaking to him all those years ago in a different part of the world. And uh, God continues to speak to us in his story, uh, which is a fantastic story of his coming and rescuing us. If you have your order of service there, we have some of these announcements to go through. And uh, I suppose I just really want to highlight the Christmas stuff as best I can. Um, 
you should have a, the Hope is Born leaflet there. Um, I didn't put them uh, all of them out there. Have a uh, take them with you. Uh, really, this is our theme for Christmas. Uh, we have uh, the Sunflower Crash Carol service on Wednesday. Uh, we have our uh, own Carol service on the Sunday evening. Carol's by candlelight. We'd love you to invite people, obviously, to come yourself. Um, and uh, we will. Uh, Eric Hughes is coming to speak at that. And, and I think he's going to tell us his story about how God has been his hope uh, through many difficulties and through the good times as well. So do take that. There's more. I've left these things all in the back, uh, uh, sort of the communion table there, if you need extras as well. There are calendars. This is the Irish-produced calendar. Uh, very well done. Again, there, there are ones on the back there as well for your family and friends, for yourself um, an opportunity to give them away uh, as well, and there's a gospel message in that. Um, I, I just take them as they come. Farming God's Way. Do take these with you. Um, these have a, uh, this is our World Development Appeal offering, uh, which we primarily take on Christmas Day, but if you're not going to be here, as I know many of you aren't, then you can give obviously, in a, an envelope marked World Development Appeal. There's also envelopes down the back. There aren't enough for everybody, but if you take it, then you can, you can give in that way. There's an awful lot of information on that. Uh, the other thing you can do is go to the website, and there's lots of videos as well. But really what they're looking at is in Mozambique, and it's about sustainable farming um, and uh, how the local church and Bible studies and teaching people all go hand in hand with sustainable farming. It's really quite an interesting read, and I recommend that to you as well. Uh, just to say, well, as well, we do have prayer ministry at the front. Um, uh, so if you would like to be prayed for, our committee meet this Tuesday, uh, the 12th at 7.30 here in the church. Uh, Carl singing... In aid of Tear Fund, we've just been given that date, that's why it's late in, Friday the 20th of December, which is an excellent time, I presume it'll be busy, um, in St. Stephen Green's shopping centre. So we need singers, musicians, and collectors. Um, we haven't put anybody's name there, but if you want to speak to Karen or to myself um, or to Ken or some, some of the musicians, uh, if you want to know more about it. But basically, we just go and sing well-known carols and uh, the response is usually brilliant, and it, it is an, an evening that we just declare as we've been speaking about uh, God's uh, goodness to us. Um, yes, over the page you will see the written statement uh, from the session so that you have it in your hands. Um, it's funny, this week I've, I've had two people write to me about repentance, and I just read this one to you. Repentance is not uh, merely the start of the Christian life. It is the Christian life, and that's from William Perkins, who was a Puritan. So do read that, uh, take it away, pray for us as your leaders, uh, pray for the church, and uh, we, we hope to be able uh, to uh, just know the freshness of a new beginning uh, in the forgiveness of the Lord. So I think those are all the announcements, and uh, I'm going to pray uh, now for others, and then we'll finish our service after that. So let's uh, bow our heads and talk to God.
Father, we um, thank you for this uh, great privilege that is ours, to come into the throne room of heaven, to the one who has been preparing a story from the very beginning in Genesis 1, and who will complete that story, of course, in Revelation, uh, the end, uh, chapter 22. Father, we thank you for the fact of being part of your story. And Father, we want to pray that particularly for those who suffer this morning. We think of those who live in Eritrea. We thank you, Father, for the work of church and chains and for their highlighting the struggle of many prisoners in uh, Eritrea today. We pray for the Reverend uh, Gebri Medin, and we pray, Father, for him as an Orthodox priest. We thank you, Father, for him and for his love of you, and for his love of your work, uh, your word. Father, we thank you that he was involved in Sunday school teaching, that he was involved, Father, in a very successful AIDS program and reaching those with HIV infection. But the government have arrested him because he's a Christian, and they've put him in prison for the last 15 years. Father, we do not know what it is like to suffer because we name Jesus and we make him our Lord and our government hates it for us. So, Father, we pray for him and for all these prisoners that they will have deep inner peace, that they will know the very presence of Jesus in a way that confounds and passes understanding as your word promises. And Father, we pray that they will continue to be a light in the darkness, that they will have opportunity because they know Christ to share Christ, and that, Father, that many others will come to know him who forgives and gives real hope. And Father, we do pray for his family. We pray for justice. We pray, Father, that there would be a change in his circumstances and that you will soften the hearts of the president and of the leaders within Eritrea. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. And Father, we pray for the folks in Mozambique. And we thank you that we have an opportunity uh, to be able to support those who, through the influence of their desire to serve others, through their love of the Lord Jesus and their love of your word. And Father, how your word brings light and how it brings ideas. And Father, we thank you that they're building food security, that they're building community. And that, Father, that they're beginning to see that it works better when people work together. So I pray, Father, that you will help us to pray, become informed, and to give generously to the work that's going on in Mozambique. And Father, we pray for our neighbours in the UK. Father, this week will, it would seem, be a momentous week for that country. And Father, it will be a momentous week, it would appear as well, for us in Europe and in Ireland in particular. And so we pray for wisdom and for guidance, particularly in this question of their relationship with Europe. And Father, we pray for our neighbours in Northern Ireland. We pray, Father, that you will be with them. We lament the lack of governance, Father, and the lack of direction and the division in the society. But, Father, we would pray that you would be with them this week and that it might be the beginning of something. We do not know where it will end. 
But we pray, Father, that we will trust you in the midst of it and that, Lord, that you will hear our prayers for the UK. And Father, we pray for ourselves. We do thank you, as Ken has so brightly told us, that, Father, you do give us a spring in our step. You do give us a reason for the season. You do give us your Holy Spirit. And like Mary, we want to tell of all the good things that God has done for us. And so, Father, we pray as we speak to the small children in Sunflower Crash and to their, uh, to their leaders, as it were, to the parents, um, to their friends. Father, we pray for Katie as she speaks of Jesus in a way that's appropriate. We pray, Father, that as we host them, that they will know that they're cared for and that, Father, that Jesus is a person who loves them. Father, we pray that as we particularly celebrate next Sunday, with our um, children's service and then the carols by candlelight, that you will be in all the preparations. We pray, Father, that you might give us weather, that people would feel free to come and to walk in off the street. We pray, Father, that you will give us courage where we might need to invite people that we've been talking about about Jesus or they've been asking us about what we do on Sundays. And, Father, we pray that you will really bless us as we prepare, as we practice and Father, as we come together in unity to speak of Jesus, we pray that we will do that with your honor in mind. And Father, in everything we do, we pray that you will just, you will be evident. And that Father, that you will speak. And that Father, that we will be enamored again, as it were, that we will fall in love afresh with Jesus, that we will know him, that we will love him. And that Father, that we'll be glad that we're called Christians. And Father, I pray that you will be with us in all that we do. Father, you know that many of our people have big needs. Father, you know that there are many who are caring for sick uh, relatives. You know that there are many who are feeling vulnerable today. And Father, we pray that you would be with them. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's finish our service uh, by singing. And I've forgotten. Tell out my soul. Yes, this is based on the Magnificat. Tell out my soul the greatness of the Lord. So let's stand to sing this together. The, gr the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Folks, you're warmly invited to stay for tea and coffee downstairs. I don't know if the boys and girls are finished their practice, but I'm sure they'll join you downstairs uh, when they're ready. So hope you can stay and fellowship with us.